everything in business is a gamble. People generally buy people. It's genius! We want an education. What you're thinking, can you get the buy-in? You're listening to Forest FM, a salon business show with hosts Zoe Below Springer and Killian Vigna. For your industry, by your industry. With news rapidly circulating about Amazon's new venture, Amazon Salon, we figured this would be the perfect time to take a look under the hood to investigate what this could mean for salons. In our previous episode, last week's episode, Alain Audet said seeing major titans move into spaces like this creates an opportunity for others to drive innovation and creativity. And our guest today is no stranger to that, driving innovation in his salon, as we're just about to find out in today's episode. It's amazing how many people feel awkward and uncomfortable in their conversations with the hairdresser because people don't speak hair and hairdressers don't speak people. In Australia and New Zealand, I think the average percentage of customers purchasing retail products in salons is 12. 95% of hairdressers believe that they do a full and thorough consultation for every client. 7% of clients feel they've had a consultation once in their lives. What I hear from clients is the expectation is if I go to the salon, the salon professional is going to tell me what my hair unique needs are, what I can do to solve the issues I struggle with with my hair, what products I can use to make myself look like how I want to look, and give me some tips, tricks, and techniques to do, do it myself. Because if you come to me every six weeks, that means that for 44 out of 45 days, you're doing your own hair. With 25 years experience, Richard Kavanagh is Australia's and New Zealand's most internationally acclaimed hairstylist. Richard now regularly travels to Paris, Milan and New York to work on some of the world's most highly sought after fashion brands, as well as being a stylist to the stars. Kavanagh is the author of best-selling book, Love Your Hair, and has had a range of TV hosting and guest appearances for Australia's Next Top Model, Rodney Wayne, Red Can TV, and advertising, and now for the biggest performance to date, Forest FM. Richard has a product that we're going to talk about here today, which has been described by Natalie Rue as a great way to help Amazon prove to sell on business. So without further ado, welcome all the way from Australia to the Forest FM show. Richard, it's a pleasure to have you here. I know it's like nine, ten o'clock at night for you. Past my bedtime anyway, put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, Richard, dying to get into this show because you've got some really cool technology that we're going to talk about here that um, is a vital piece of software, actually, or technology for the salon industry. But because of the context of the show where we're talking about that whole like augmented reality style stuff, we kind of have to address the elephant in the room that's popped up in the news pretty much everywhere in the last few weeks. And I can see you smiling, mm-hmm. like, you know exactly where I'm going with this. Um, the Amazon salon, like, there's no beating mm-hmm. around the bush about it. This was announced, what, we were we mid-early April? And I just feel like once you Google augmented reality salon, everything just refers back to Amazon. What's, what were your initial thoughts when you saw that? My initial thoughts were, to be honest, as a um, a developer of a new technology for the salon industry, I was stoked, to be honest. And okay. I, I look, from a from the, and, and the reason I say that is that I can see 
some fantastic opportunity for salon professionals here on the one hand as a as a kind of a as an industry i think it helps us or shakes us up and wakes us up and says oh we better pull our fingers out of our proverbial so that we can <laughs> you know we it's no longer this kind of shadowy figure in the background that we can use as an excuse for not recommending retail to our clients because you know we can use that as an excuse that oh they're only going to go online and buy it anyway so what's the point or whatever right yeah it's no yeah. longer in the shadows which we've heard so much yeah yeah of course yeah. right and it's no longer in the shadows it's actually out in the forefront it's tangible it's concrete you know the the excuses that oh you know we we can just tell our clients that if they're buying stuff online it might be uh, gray market or it might be old stock or you know you don't know whether it's actually counterfeit product or whatever amazon having a salon legitimizes them as a professional uh, a, a professional salon if you like for lack of a better word because it's what it is and legitimizes the products that they're selling to consumers. So the, the excuses are gone for the industry. That for me is one thing that I'm pleased for. The second thing that I'm pleased for is it's purely selfish, right? Like, You're not happy about this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon, yes. <laughs> Silver linings, man. No, look, we set out, you know, um, a few years ago, we set out with this idea, imagine if we could create a... Uh, a software service for salons that would help them sell more retail products that would help them enhance their customer experience with their clients and help them generate more revenue without feeling like it was getting in the way but in fact seamlessly integrating into the experience to make it better for their customers and you know it was like this imagine if moment and we had a really clear vision for what it was and we set out into the wilderness to try and create this thing that never existed, right? Mm. Um, to the point where if I, I haven't shown you guys this, but I'm going to send you a picture at some point of the, the very first prototype of the smart mirror that me, I'm a hairdresser. I built this thing in my lounge room. I went to the electronics markets and spent three days buying components. I don't know anything about electronics. And I came home and I built this thing to prove whether or not my crazy idea was going to work. And it worked. And we built it because it was like it didn't exist, right? And yeah. we're like, oh, okay, that seems to make sense. And then we patented it. And then we had to make some other components, which we had to patent. And we're doing all this stuff. And, you know, people are going, oh, wow, this is so cool. This is like the future. This is the future. I can imagine where this is going. And now Amazon appears and as a giant in the landscape doing what we are doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I love what you said earlier about like, it forces the industry to become more innovative or like you were saying, um, <laughs> pull the finger out. Because when people see big names like that moving into a market or an area, it's almost like fear because, wow, they're huge, they're a corporation, they've got this money and funding. Yes, yep. they have the money and they have the funding, but they don't have the expertise. They don't have... Now, we know Amazon's all about data and I suppose that is one side of it where they're just in it for the data but they don't know the industry like you and other salon owners. So it's no. giving you, I suppose, a platform now to kind of re look at your business and go, what needs to change here? 
Hence the whole need for the augmented reality, kind of moving it into a more digital salon business now, which we've seen already over the last 12 months, how quick that's fast-tracked. Well, I think the last 12 months has has accelerated. Uh, I feel like it's accelerated us five years into where we imagined we would be, right? So, So in the last 12 months, we're now where we thought we would be in five years' time from now. Um, but to your point, Killian, I think, you know, like when you look at like Ronan's background, for example, of having that experience at the front desk of a salon and knowing, um, knowing the inner workings of just how intimate the relationship is between a client and their hairdresser. You know, it's yeah. a very, very, it's a delicate relationship. It's, it's very unique it's, too. Yeah. It's completely unique because how many people touch you on the head? Yeah. That's the first question I ask. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Without it being weird. Yeah. <laughs> Without you going, whoa, get up. Uh, so, so how many people touch you on the head? Second of all, how many people do you allow to spend that much time touching you physically mm-hmm. and taking responsibility for your self-image, how you see yourself in the world? I'm talking as a client here. Yeah. Um, you know, and then as a as a salon professional, taking responsibility for somebody else's sense of self, how they see themselves in the world. You know, it's like even if you don't think about it like that, it's still somehow in our hearts is this like, whoa, this is quite a big responsibility. I remember thinking that on the floor all the time, being like, man, I hope this turns out good because. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's true. It can definitely change like some people's lives. Sometimes we were at, we we were chatting with um, Chris and Rankin, uh, founder of the Dress Code Project, and you know they work with a lot of you know gender affirming salons, obviously because that's the, the the whole idea of the project. But it like for some people who are just trying to figure out you know what their self image is, that moment is crucial. Yeah, and I mean it's such yeah. a big part of your self image. You're here. You know, and being able to present yourself to the world as you see yourself inside, so you can be seen and understood and and acknowledged as who you are. Your hair becomes such an important part of that, and the relationship you have with your hairdresser, who is the person who takes responsibility for your self image, it's really intimate, right? And I believe that because of the the delicate nature of that relationship, because it's it's creative, it's uh, it's connected, and um, it's delicate. I think people don't like to, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it, it feels uncomfortable to dirty that relationship with the transactional nature of selling product. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. You've got your skill set and you want to play to those strengths and you kind of feel like, well, someone's paying, we'll say $200 for this haircut. The last thing they're going to want is for me to start pushing extra, uh, I suppose, add-ons, we'll call mm. them, onto this transaction. Mm. They're never going to come mm. back. Well, that's what we think, right? And um, I was yeah. talking to a friend of mine the other day who's a uh, who's a fashion editor here in Australia and She's in her mid-30s and she's got this thick, coarse, amazing, curly, curly hair. And she's got buckets of hair. I think it was like 10 days or two weeks ago was the first time in her entire life that she was offered a moisturizing treatment at the basin in a salon. And and really? uh, I, I went around to their place and, and she was like, 
oh my God, oh my God, how have I never known that this was a thing? You know, because she's not in the hair industry. She's in the fashion industry. She's like, how did I not know about this? Why has nobody in my whole life ever told me that I could have this? I want this every week. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and the reality is that people want what we have to offer them, but offering it to them feels transactional. And so it feels a bit dirty. So it feels a bit awkward. And, and I believe, like I have this belief that because it feels uncomfortable, no matter how much we intellectualize it, no matter how we frame it in terms of, you know, what language we put around it, whether we call it recommending, whether we call it consulting, whether we call it, you know, retailing or what we call it, it feels awkward. So we don't do it. And that's why, like in Australia and New Zealand, I think the average percentage of customers purchasing retail products in salons is 12. Wow. I actually believe it because I, like, I know you're coming from the service provider perspective, whether therapist or stylist, but even me as a client who doesn't know the first thing about hair, when I go into a barber shop, I see all these products on the shelves and I want to know, like I've got really thick, bushy hair. You can kind of see it from here. Now it's, it's cut tight, so it doesn't look as bad, but I, <laughs> bear in mind, I usually grow it out about three months long. So it's like triple the size of this usually. Um, but yeah, I see all these products on the shelf and I want to know how to improve my hair. I want to be educated on the right products because my education goes as far as going to the local grocery shop and picking up whatever's on the shelf on just whatever looks nice, really. I'm a real sucker for packaging and marketing. But I feel awkward asking for mm. advice on products mm. because I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a thing of like feeling judged or maybe because of years of just never being taught what products are right or never being educated on the products I see in front of me. I also feel weird about asking, especially when I'm in a barbershop of lads with really on point hair and then me with this big bushy scraggly dog. <laughs> so yeah, like I feel uncomfortable about it too. I want And you're feeling someone... like you should know, right? You're like, oh yeah. shit, if I don't know, I'm not cool enough or I'm not down with the boys. I should, you know? So Look, instead listen... I sit there, get lower in my chair and ask for another beer and just move on. <laughs> You're not the only person that feels like that, man. Like, you don't know how many times I've heard that. Um, you know, uh, uh, I've been really lucky in my career to work it, it right across the spectrum of the industry. You know, like I did my apprenticeship in a little suburban salon. Um, I've worked in high-end, like award-winning salons with award-winning teams. I've been a creative director for big salon groups. Um, you know, I've worked as a brand ambassador for big international brands. And I've been a company owner working in the industry as well. So, I've, and as a session stylist, I've kind of been on the other side of it as well, mm -hmm. where I am part of a team that looks at the hair industry and goes, whoa, what's going <laughs> on over there? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I hear these, I'm involved in these multiple conversations over the years. And it's amazing how many people feel awkward and uncomfortable in their conversations with the hairdresser because people don't speak hair <laughs> and hairdressers don't speak people. Yeah, yeah. It's a real challenge, man. And so I've heard it so many times where, where uh, clients who, who go to the salon feel like, one, I don't feel cool enough to be in this space. Mm -hmm. All these people in here, they're done up so cool. They've got these great looks, this great haircuts, these great colors. 
And, you know, and they just feel like I, I'm not cool enough to be in this space with all these cool, interesting, you know, people who obviously know what's going on with their look. Mm. And so then it's like, okay, well, I should, I, I feel uncomfortable asking questions because then I'll, I'll reveal myself as being this uh, outcast that doesn't fit into the cool kid gang, right? Yeah. But listen, I go to my mechanic, like I know a little bit about cars, right? But I, I would never go to my mechanic and expect them, not expect them to tell me what my car needs, what is the best type of spark plug. Hey, your oil needs changing. Hey, I've got this additive you can put in here that's going to keep your engine running longer and, and smoother and cleaner. I expect that from that kind of service provider. And I think what I hear from clients is the expectation is if I go to the salon, the salon professional is going to tell me what my, what's, what my hair unique needs are what I can do to solve the issues I struggle with with my hair, mm -hmm. what products I can use to make myself look like how I want to look, and give me some tips, tricks, and techniques to do, do it myself. Because, you know, here's the thing, right? Hairdressers don't know this. I think we don't know. I'm talking for myself here, right? We don't realize that if you come to me every six weeks, that means that for 44 out of 45 days, you're doing your own hair. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm doing terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> and that, if you're my client, is a reflection of me personally, right? Mm. <laughs> so I better make sure I'm looking after it. How do you bridge that gap? Like, how do you make hairdressers feel more comfortable talking about, you know, retail and how to take care of your hair at home and all of that? Like, how how do you? Because it's obviously like it's if people are coming to you in, in the salon, it's there's a part of there's a part of the, the that dynamic that has to come. Like if you have specific questions, like we as uh, as clients have to be able to kind of speak up and, and ask those questions, right? But there's mm -hmm. also a huge part that lies on the hairdresser's side, I suppose, to educate and, and just, you know, pass on the information. And it's a good question because a lot of the hairdresser's knowledge and information is is intrinsic and subconscious, right? A lot of it, a lot of the data that hairdressers work from comes through their hands. It's tactile. So by touching mm -hmm. somebody's hair, you feel the elasticity, the porosity, the density, any scalp concerns, curl. You see where all the color pattern, uh, color placement is, and you you see and feel everything. But often we don't have a language with which to articulate that to our clients. And our clients, you know, to your point, mm -hmm. Killian, I've got this buffy hair that I don't know how to control. But as a hairdresser, I can touch your hair and I can break it down into you know nine components and. So, so as a hairdresser, there's all of the stuff that's imprinted in my brain subconsciously that informs what I'm going to do with your hair or what I'm going to recommend you do with your hair. But so often mm -hmm. it's not communicated because the language or the framework with which it sits in my brain in a language thing is very technical, right? It's language that I've learned uh, through hairdressing school and through hairdressing education and through the language I speak with my peers and my product providers. And it doesn't necessarily, it means the words I have in my head mean things to me, but don't necessarily mean things to you as a client, right? And yeah, so yeah. I'll give you an example. If I said to 20 people, show me a picture of a bob, I would get 20 different haircut pictures, right? Yeah. If I said to, to, to somebody, show me a picture of red hair, 
I would have this massive spectrum of color that would range from strawberry blonde to, you know, Sunset uh, Auburn, like me. Yeah, exactly. Sunset <laughs> Auburn, I love it. <laughs> it's better than strawberry blonde when you're in school. It's gold. <laughs> Sunset Auburn, amazing. But you know what I mean? Like, so, so words uh, often fail us in terms of communicating. So there's a there's a gap. So what we've tried to do with our with our product, with our, we call it a multi-dimensional experience because it's a mirror, it's software, it's an app, it's a platform, um, and it all works in concert together to create a, a multi-dimensional experience. Um, and we use that term multi-dimensional because mm-hmm. hairdressers understand. As a hairdresser, I know what multi-dimensional means, right? If I want to create a multi-dimensional color, which may at first glance appear relatively simple, I know that I need to use a multitude of techniques and a whole bunch of different products and processes to get to that beautiful seamless result. Mm. Likewise with our product, we call it multi-dimensional because of yeah. that. And what we've done is we've tried to... to marry the customer's expectations in terms of what we've heard from thousands and thousands of consumers with the hairdresser's knowledge and turn it into a visual language that they can communicate with each other. Like, for example, um, we have a feature which is the hair analysis feature, right? So that the hairdresser, after their hands have informed them everything they need to know about the client's hair, takes the touchscreen control panel and just slides a series of sliders five sliders to indicate on the scale or on the spectrum from you know very porous to not porous at all where that client's hair sits that eventually becomes a record that's stored on the client's records Mm -hmm. for the next visit but what happens is they do that on the touchscreen control panel on the mirror in front of the client Um, a beautiful line drawing of an avatar of a person is there and the hair changes to illustrate what their hair is. There's also four little boxes which indicate um, elasticity, porosity, texture or individual hair strand size and density or number of hairs per square inch. And so at, at at a glance, at an instant, the client understands what the hairdresser's hands are feeling. And you bridge that gap between language, which is very technical and is subconsciously in the hairdresser's brain, to a visual language which the client gets. Now, what's really amazing about this is almost every hairdresser that sees this particular feature just goes, duh, that's obvious. And every client that sees it, you know that emoji where the head pops off and all the the explosion comes out of the temples? That's what they look like. They're like, what the? That's exactly, yeah. How how do you know this stuff? I didn't, and literally, we've got a statement from uh, one of of, uh, the clients that we interviewed. She's like, all these years, to me, my hair was just my hair. I had no idea that, A, it was made up of all these different components, and B because of the condition of each of those individual components, it was going to determine what I can and can't do with it. Mm. I had no idea, right? Because mm. to people, hair is just a thing that they have. But to us as hairdressers, it's millions of flexible fibers made up of, you know, layers of components. Yeah. And, and you know, it's this wonderful substance that we work with. The magic is where, this is where the magic happens though, right? So so we we create this visual language which bridges that gap that we're just talking about, which is how do you 
communicate effectively with one another. That's kind of the first step. But then we take those inputs and our algorithm will act kind of like a hairdresser. So we've built this hairdresser's brain into our software that takes that knowledge, the, the porosity, elasticity, density, texture, scalp concerns, and then recommends a treatment in salon. Like it just comes up on the mirror and says, we recommend that you should have a scalp treatment to soothe your scalp. Hmm. Or we recommend you should have a protein treatment to improve the strength of your hair. Um, and uh, that is, oh, is a little bit tricky of us, but we've made that as uh, there's a there's a tick, a check, so yeah. that you can add the treatment, but the check is automatically on, so you have to turn it off if you don't want oh, it. Right. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's like having um, to opt out of campaigns now as opposed to opting exactly, in. Exactly, <laughs> right? As instead of opting in, you got to opt out. So you got to yeah. opt out of having the treatment. So um, that's the first thing, right? So the client then gets a recommendation without the hairdresser ever having to talk about it. They're just showing them, mm. here's what my hands know about your hair. Oh, and technically speaking, this is what should happen. Mm-hmm. We, they don't even have to say anything. Mm. The other thing that happens from that is our algorithm recommends the appropriate shampoo, conditioner, and treatment like regular treatment for at-home hair care takes that information displays it on the mirror in front of them says here's your shampoo conditioner and treatment that you should get check your app and you'll find the products in there so they go can go to their app while they're sitting there having their hair done and look at the products get some information and literally buy them in the app so they can if they click order from reception they're buying them out of the salon's inventory right then and there yeah so the salon just gets a notification. The hairdresser has never had to sell a thing at this point. Right? So All they've had to do is showcase their superpowers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got rid of the dirty task. <laughs> There's no selling. There's only showcasing the salon professional's amazing secret superpower, which is the knowledge that comes out of their hands mm. yeah. and bridging that gap between communication that you're talking about. What mainly informed your direction in, into, you know, that specific type of product and technology? Was it coming from customers, like things you were hearing from customers or mainly coming from, uh, you know, problems or uh, challenges uh, that you were hearing from hairdressers or, or was it like pretty much a mix 50-50? I would say it was a 50-50 mix. And I'll tell you how it, I had a, like a, a light bulb moment, you know, like an epiphany moment. Um uh, there were three of us that founded the business and we I was invited as the hair industry representative to this think tank conversation and it was it was it was my uh, now business partner who had initiated this conversation because he went to his hairdresser all the time and like you Killian same deal right he expected to be told but he didn't know how to ask every time he went the guy said to him oh at the end of the haircut he'd say oh um, do you like something in your hair or, you know, what do you use in your hair? And he would say, I use this Kevin Murphy product. And the guy would go, oh, that's nice. And he was like, well, why can't I get it here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, just ends nearly the conversation. Uh, yeah. And he kept thinking, this happened every single time he went to the salon, right? And he kept thinking, why can't, one, why can't I get my product from the guy who cuts my hair? Because I'd rather give him the money. And I'd rather him take the money and have the the transaction. Yeah. And two, it's a pain in the uh, in the butt for me to have to go to another place to buy my product. Mm. Or three, why doesn't he show me something that's similar that he's got here? Yeah. 
And so in his mind, he's like, what's going on here? Is this a problem? Can we find a way to solve this? So he started looking at um, pulling together a bunch of people to have a conversation. And I was in the room, there was a whole bunch of tech guys and, and business guys, and I was the only hairdresser there. And I could hear these conversations that they were all having about trying to solve these problems. And I just was like, dude, none of that's going to work. Nobody wants to do any of that stuff. You're just adding a layer of work to, to nobody wants to do any of that. And then I went, wait a minute. <laughs> it's communication that's the issue here. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, there's a, there's a missing piece. There's a missing, we're not speaking the same language, clients and stylists, uh, clients and stylists are not speaking the same language. And the problem is, so as a working in the, in the, as a freelancer in the fashion industry, understanding a brand brief, the best way to do that is visually, right? Show me, show me your, your visual references, show me things you love, show me you hate. And I, and I understand really well. So we started off with that premise. Let's try and solve that problem. Let's try and solve the problem of communication with uh, a digital product. That's amazing. So was the first thing then to be able to relay the information from the hair or was it to just recommend products based on the consultation or the service at the time? Yeah, because so you have to start off with an MVP, I'm assuming. You don't just go from zero to what you have now. <laughs> there had to have been a journey, surely. Yeah, there was a real journey, actually. And I think what we started with was this idea of, of let's bridge the gap in communication. And if we can effectively close that communication gap, because let's be clear, 95% of hairdressers believe that they do a full and thorough consultation for every client. 7% of clients feel they've had a consultation once in their lives. 7%. Seven. That's so, yeah, why? <laughs> it's outrageous, right? So what's the, what's happening here? Because there's one group of people who believe that they're doing something and another people, group of people who believe that they're not getting something. And it's the same something. Yeah, exactly. So what's missing, right? And so I believe that what's missing is that the expectations from what clients want from a, a consultation, which is they want a hair analysis, a face shape analysis, and a professional recommendation for services and products. That's the expectation. Mm-hmm. So it's really specific versus what the hairdresser is thinking is a consultation, which is what are we doing today? Mm-hmm. How was your hair last time? Mm, yeah. How was your holiday to the beach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did None you do to your consultation? Who cut your hair last time? <laughs> it was you. Oh, yeah, no, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but you know, so there's a gap. There was a gap. There's a massive gap in communication, which is yeah. is uh, is shows up in that data. And the other piece of data I shared with you earlier that. Only 12% in Australia and New Zealand, only 12% of salon clients are purchasing their products from the salon. But they're washing their hair, they're styling their hair, right? Yeah. They're conditioning their hair. So they're getting their products from somewhere, just not from the salon. Mm-hmm. So to me, I looked at that and I went, it's the communication that's the problem. Mm-hmm. If we can close the gap in communication, if we can create a tool that is really easy for a hairdresser to articulate what they are not saying and for a client to articulate what they're what they don't know how to say then 
there's something in that, right? So I basically, I made a PowerPoint presentation of what I thought it would be and I showed about 300 people and they all went, dude. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the coldest, the coldest piece of feedback we got from that like proof of, basic proof of concept was um, the coldest piece of feedback. I dropped into one of my mate's salons unannounced and I walked up to a client who was getting their hair done. I said, hey, excuse me, could I just show you something without explaining it and see what you think? And I just handed them my iPad and, and they went through and they went, yeah, well, that's obvious, isn't it? Shouldn't everybody be doing that? <laughs> I think the most disturbing thing about this is considering the day and age we're in, you've identified that two human beings can't talk to each other. So you've had to develop a mirror to do that talking for you. <laughs> I think that is mental. People can't talk unless they have a screen in front of them. That's mental. And it's working. <laughs> that is mental. Yeah. It is. You're right. Um, interestingly, we, you know, I observed that that was a phenomenon in, in society that you would go out and you see two people having a conversation with the screen, like a three-way conversation, mm -hmm. right? Two people and a screen. And I thought, well, that's a thing, right? That's yeah. how we connect. That's how we communicate. That's how we can articulate what we mean through visuals. So that's kind of where we started. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, obviously you've looked at the, the customer journey quite a bit as, you know, develop, like as you developed all of this, um, is there any parts, any other parts of the customer journey or, um, as such that would benefit from, you know, some sort of augmented reality, do you think? Like, are there other gaps, I suppose, in the customer journey that needs addressing? There's a bunch of gaps, right? And so we've got some pretty outrageous stuff that we're working on, particularly around AI, so artificial intelligence. Yeah. Um, so we built, we had to, we had to build some AI that uh, allowed our machine to understand what hair is, to see hair in an image, in a video feed, and mm -hmm. to be able to separate it from all the other elements in a video feed so that we could color it in real time with augmented reality. So taking that AI, now that it can see the hair, um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we can do with it. And I think, you know, one thing that we're working on, which is one of the biggest gaps is that it's, it's again about communication, right? So if you look at online booking as, mm -hmm. a, as a, an example, so obviously you guys have a, an amazing software service for salons to help them uh, connect with their clients and do their business and look after their business, right? And, mm -hmm. and to book appointments is one of the services that they have. Now, if I'm a consumer and I go to book an appointment with a salon, how do I know what I want unless I've had it before and I'm getting the same thing over and over again? Yeah. Yeah. We hear that a lot. Uh, whereas like, oh, well, I don't want to turn on my online bookings because clients won't know what to Experience, book into. Yeah. And then right. I have to change it on the appointment screen. Yeah. yeah, so I don't. I'm gonna tell you this because you know whatever. In the in the in the in the essence of like open transparency, we've we've developed a piece of AI which is not ready for market yet. Um, but basically, um, imagine if you as a client takes a picture of yourself now, and you find a picture of the hair that you want. Our AI will tell you what services are required to execute that look. Oh. Right? And then find those services in a salon near you and serve up the appointment to you. So gone are the days of walking in with a picture of Brad Pitt saying, I want that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, w- I want I, w- I want that those pics please and yes. <laughs> what do you mean you only do hair <laughs> well Richard that's been absolutely brilliant but just to kind of wrap it all up one mm. thing that I'm dying to know you're a celebrity hairstylist are like renowned across Australia and New Zealand would you ever have considered yourself a tech guy before all of this because what you've just been talking about here is incredible it's really like futuristic and it's going to be so innovative in the salon but would you have been a technical person before never i would never you've been able to do all this a tech guy no yeah that's weird right i find myself now the ceo of a beauty tech company at the cutting edge of ar and ai and by accident, completely by accident. <laughs> That's exciting though. It's like the way of the future, really. And to tie it back to the first question where we were saying, is there anything to be worried about Amazon Salon? We can't imagine seeing Jeff Bezos in sitting behind a receptionist or in doing putting his hands through your hair currently. <laughs> so it just goes to show he might have the tech in the background, but you have that industry experience and look what's come from that. So... That's absolutely phenomenal, to be fair. Well done. <laughs> well, look, I mean, you look at look at Forrest, it's the same deal, right? You know, it comes from inside insight to the to to the needs of the people using the product. Yeah. And that's what it's about, right? We're not looking at trying to make money as a business. Obviously, as a business, you have to make money because it's business, it's maths, right? Yeah. But but one of our one of our principles is that in every relationship we have, every relationship, it has to start first with this idea of transformation. We value the transformation before the transaction. Mm. And so that allows us to go, okay, well, how, how are we going to do our business? We're gonna do our business focused on transformation. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, and that's because we're looking at what needs need to be solved. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's that's the key thing. When you look at solving a problem, that's when you know you're uh, you're going to get sticky. Your, your product is going to be sticky. Um, before I ask you the thought starter card, if people want to get more information on Peak, get in touch maybe with you. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, peakdigital.com, P-I-I-Q. So it's, uh, it's a visual palindrome. Right, it's like taking <laughs> yeah. a moment of pause and reflection in the mirror. That's amazing. Um, Love it. So P I I Q peakdigital dot com and uh, or at Peak Digital on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my Instagram is at Richard Kavanagh. Um, that's mostly my session styling work and the occasional dog picture. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't like a dog picture? <laughs> yeah, standard. <laughs> <laughs> so people can reach out to me directly if they want to find out more about what we're up to and, you know. Fantastic. That's, that's cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, so here's the question of the week. What's one skill you've always wanted to pick up and why? <laughs> Haven't we just discussed it? <laughs> that's awesome. What a great question. What's one skill I've always wanted to pick up and why? 2020 was the year consumers changed their habits, supporting local and buying online. Online purchases increased by 50%. Social media influenced 55% of those decisions and 70% said they'd buy online again. So this begs the question, how well did your salon adapt? The good news is, Forrest now has an online health score calculator. 
In less than five minutes, you can get your own bespoke report with tips on how to improve your online marketing, social media, online reputation, and salon website. Take the assessment today at forest.com slash online hyphen health hyphen score. Uh, it's a really good question. I've, throughout my life, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm an experimenter and I experiment with myself. I'm kind of like, a, 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 I'll do anything. I'll have a crack at anything. Most things are not off limits for me. So if I think of what's a skill I've always wanted, but have not yet, the one thing would be shoe pastry, making shoe pastry. Oh. C-H-O-U-X. Yeah. Not S-H-O-E. Yeah. (laughs) Because you know what, man? Like, I believe that one of the keys to the secrets of the universe, not one of the secrets of the universe, but one of the keys to the secrets of the universe is, in fact, cake. (laughs) Well, I guess you're speaking Killian's language. His dad was a pastry chef. yeah, as a son of uh, a son of a pastry chef, I think you should waste no more time and get straight on that because it's <laughs> very rewarding if you don't mind having chubby kids when they're younger. <laughs> 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 Took a lot of time to work it all off, if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, That's brilliant. Awesome. Shoe it. pastry. Well, listen, when you do pick it up... Um, and at some point we'll be able to travel again. I'm sure, you know, we'll stop by and uh, have a little taste. <laughs> have a little absolutely. taste. We'll make some profiterol. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much, Richard. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks, you guys. Love talking to you. Cheers. So what's your take on augmented reality and artificial intelligence in salons? DM us your thoughts. We'd be curious to hear. You can reach out on Instagram, on Facebook, whatever platform you prefer. If you're going to reach out and DM us on Instagram, that's at Forced Salon Software, all in one word. Um, Of course, don't forget to head over to forced.com forward slash FM, where you can find today's transcript and subscribe to the show's email newsletter to get all the updates uh, from this show delivered directly to your inbox weekly on Wednesdays. As always, if you want to share your thoughts on Forest FM or this episode specifically, you can also send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, stay safe and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z, Montreal's cutting edge post production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments. Forest FM, the Salon Owners Podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Get your clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.